Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We've Got Mail. This is the podcast where you control the conversation right here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic for the purposes of this particular podcast. You may call me Ruckmeister McCool, if you wish. And I think you should. And uh, this is the <laughs> podcast where you write in. You write us an email or perhaps a physical letter, and we read it on the air. We answer your questions, and we respond to your criticisms, because um, uh, we like you. <laughs> and you always have interesting things to say and talk about, and we're very grateful for that. Uh, so if you want to write in, uh, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. And our P.O. box, if you prefer to send in a piece of physical mail, is... Uh, you can send it to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. I always ask Whitney to introduce the P.O. Box because I still haven't memorized it, and I never will. <laughs> I never will. I am. I have decided that's the new piece of information I do not need. It's like adding, it would be like adding 13 to the multiple it's, to the multiplication tables. Like, I'm not going to learn it now. <laughs> I, I suppose so. It's yeah, you, you learn, now. Up, learn up to 12 in school for some reason. Yeah, let's we cut off at 13. But if all of a sudden, if you're 40 years old and say, by the way, now you got to learn 13 through 20, you'd be like, no. You know, there's a trick to uh, learning your uh, 11 times tables. Mm. I learned it from Jaime Escalante. Uh-huh. Hold up 10 fingers. Okay. And multiply 11 by, let's say, 7. Okay. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh-huh. And then what did you just do? You got one finger down. You, I see. Sixty-three. Six. Oh, oh, I get it. Or, excuse, I said eleven by nine. Probably. Yeah, by nine. No, nine, no, no. Sorry. Well, nine's in the two digits, nine's so, yeah, on, yeah, not, the, the numbers and always add up to nine. Uh, 72 adds up to yeah, 9, but, 60, uh, uh, 63 adds up to 9. Yeah, hold up 10 fingers, and then you count them down, you bend each finger as you go, and yeah. you bend it down. So you, know, you go down to 8, you got 7 on one side mm-hmm. and 2 on the other. That's a cute little trick. Uh, audience, I assure you, what he is showing me makes sense. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't quite picture it in your head, maybe try it on your fingers, mm-hmm. but I assure you it makes sense. Anyway, and also he meant 9, not 11. That no, actually nine, no, sorry. It was way off. Uh, 11's easy. Relatively. Mm. Once, you, once, you, once you get past 10, it gets a little trickier. Yeah. But uh, we're going to move on because this well, the, is not a math show. The trick to 11. If this like, is a math show, I wouldn't be hosting it. Like, what's 11 times 12? Here's the trick. Let me teach you the trick. 132? No. Isn't it? 11 times 10 is 110. Then plus 11 is 121. Plus 11 is 132. It's 132, right? Okay, yeah. Right. I was right. Yeah, take take the one the one and twelve and the two and twelve and move them apart. Add them up and put that number in the middle. One yeah. thirty two. There, there you go. That's, Does that consistently work, or is that only work for one thirty two? Well, try it with another number. I will not. Moving on. <laughs> let's uh, let's read some emails. All Thank right. everybody for emailing us. Uh, we usually don't dilly dally at the front, but Whitney had some math he wanted to do this uh, week. I think those are neat. Tra- those helped me through uh, you know, junior high school. I'm so. happy they did. <laughs> let's move on. Now here's a letter from Eric. Hello, Eric. Thank hey, you for writing in. By the way, this is this is up to you now. Uh, gentle beings. Uh, with regards to the recent Cancel Too Soon episode on the new adventures of Batman, Ooh. I am in the unique position to answer a lot of the questions you brought up on the show. Ooh. Ooh. Were you a writer on the show? Uh, number one. The Super Friends mascots, Zan and Jaina, were indeed alien twins. Their powers were that Jaina, the sister, could turn into any animal. Her brother, Zan, could turn into all forms of water, not sand, liquid, gas, or solid. Mm. Solid as in ice. This will be important later. Okay. Zan would often turn into a bucket of water, so Jaina, in eagle form, could transport him into action. As mentioned... (laughs) 
Zan could turn into ice, so he could take the forms of icebergs, ice patches, ice ladders, ice cages, ice ramps, ice boats, ice clippers, ice bridges, mm. you know, that occur in nature. Basically, anything the action called for. Why water and ice? Well, if you look at the history of the Hannah Unbarbarable. Oh. <laughs> isn't that cute? Adorable. Burn on Hannah Barbera. Uh, you'll see a lot of super characters with the same power sets stretching, either as rope, plastic, springs, robot, extender arms, water based forms, changing into animals, or duplicating themselves because they've been reusing the same animations since the Impossibles Fluid Man, Coil Man, and Multi Man in 1966. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because it was cheap. That's, that's the answer for a lot of reasons the entertainment Yeah, they, they just re- reused a lot of animation. Why, why was it uh, like this? Because it was cheap. It was cheaper to do it that way. Yeah. Uh, people have compiled uh, YouTube videos of uh, various Disney films over the decades oh, yeah. that reuse a lot of like dance animations. They've reused a ton of animation. Transposing like, like, heads on different if characters. Watch the, I, everyone likes, and it's a good movie, everyone likes the Disney movie Robin Hood. Robin Hood mm-hmm. is like... Like, a significant percentage of that is reused like animation. At least half used. They're reused like you can animation. just see Snow White dancing, but they put a fox hat on her. That's yeah, that's it. It's a big chunk of a scene. Like boom. Uh, point two. Who liked cartoon? Who liked cartoon kids and or Batmite? The shorter is no one. Yes. I'm in my mid fifties, so I was in the audience for seventies cartoons. Me and my friends fucking hated when Super <laughs> Friends added sidekicks or Batman had Batmite. I was ten. I didn't need an extra character to relate to in Batman. I wanted more Batman. He's perfectly relatable to a child. He's Batman. He's a fantastical he's, character. Well, and also he's an arrested yeah. adolescence. Like when his parents died, mm-hmm. he stopped there and he was just like, do I need to do anything else? No, I'll do what I would do now, which is become a superhero. Yeah. Like that's what a child <laughs> fantasizes about in a situation like uh, that. You I've, know, it's I've a heard simplified it, I've heard it said response. that uh, the, the central appeal of a character like Superman is you can't make me go to bed. <laughs> like that's, that's all it is. I'm, also, I'm I can Superman. wear my underwear outside my clothes. Yeah, 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 pretty much. These are not... Well, that's why they had. That's why they talked about um, when they came up with the He-Man action figure. Mm. They were like, well, what do little kids want to play with? Well, little kids are little kids. They just want to run around in their underwear. No, 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 yeah. no. What they said was little kids want to be stronger. They want to be mm. bigger. They want to be, like, powerful. Yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll give them a lot of muscles. Boom. Give a kid a lot of muscles. Boom. He-Man. Mm. Done. Sold a lot of toys. Uh, Point number three. As for the cartoon being uh, being for the kinds of people who w- grew up watching the original, I say to the nah, that eh. is the original, the 1966 show. Okay. Uh, the Adam West show was omnipresent in afternoon reruns, so it wasn't uh, unlike the popularity of Star Trek in reruns, was the inspiration for the Saturday morning Trek cartoon. The 66 show being in reruns for kids was meant that they had a new cartoon show. My older brother was a okay. stoner, so uh, he was not up on Saturday mornings watching cartoons. Fair enough. Uh, point number four. Did DC Comics characters ever go to other planets and gain superpowers from different color suns? This happened to Jimmy Olsen mm. and Lois Lane in the 60s comics. That sounds uh, right. With such frequency that it's remarkable they never developed skin cancer. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they don't really mention that in the superhero comics. No, I mean, they, superhero comics used to be wackier and just yeah. go through, like, sillier situations. But, yeah, I, I figured it was the sort of thing that happened in the 50s and 60s. Didn't some superhero, like, die of some very earthbound disease? Captain like, Marvel, when, he died of cancer. That's right. Yeah. yeah, the original Captain Marvel mm. and um, um, Marvel comics, not mm. the DC comics, and not the one we have in the movies. Um, the, the guy in the blue and red yeah. suit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 died of cancer. It was a it was a yeah, whole storyline that was they they wanted to take it seriously and they and did. Did, didn't come back either. Not that um, version, at least not as far as I know. No, not that. Ver- know they, they, they brought they, back they, other Captain. They Marvel. toyed with it actually. The idea was that he came back and it was like, oh my god, Captain Marvel came back, and then very quickly they realized that it was a scroll in disguise ah. trying to screw with us. Uh, and the version we got in the movie, mm. um, the 
Brie Carol Larson, Danvers. Carol yeah. Danvers. Uh, yeah. Um, she was like the fourth or fifth Captain Marvel. She was. She was Captain Marvel. We had Captain Marvel. Uh, uh, it was like Photon, who's one of the characters in mm. uh, in Marvel now. I forget which one, but uh, and uh, we also had a version of Captain Marvel who was. Either the son or maybe the clone of the original Captain Marvel, who was like right. a younger version, and there was a time where he shared a body with Rick Jones. Rick All Jones, right. who was like the ultimate stand-in comic book character. He was the guy, if you recall on the original uh, origin of the Hulk, uh, there was a big like gamma bomb testing range, hmm. and a hippie with a guitar just happened to stroll oh, in. Was that Not, Rick Jones? He didn't realize there was anything going on, and so Bruce Wayne had to like shove him aside. Br- Bruce, and, Bruce Banner. Yeah, sorry, Bruce Banner. Bruce, <laughs> Bruce Banner shoved him, like, rescued Rick Jones, but ended up taking the full brunt of the blast and became the Hulk. And he ended up, like, on the road with Rick Jones a lot. And then Rick Jones became, like, the official sidekick of the Marvel Universe. He he got superpowers when he merged bodies with that Captain Marvel, but usually oh he was just superhero best friend, and also mm-hmm. for a while he had a music career, which I kind of wish they would do somehow. Like, it just introduced Rick Jones in the MCU as, like, you know, Spider-Man just like, I got tickets to the Rick Jones concert. Like, boom. Done. Thank you. That's all we need. I would love to see love a, Rick Jones. A, a version of Marvel Comics where all the characters you know are actually just the same guy who just, like, kept going through all this bizarre crap. <laughs> like, oh, no, I got injected with a super soldier serum, and yeah. then I rescued a guy from a bomb blast and also became a Hulk, and then a radioactive that, spider also bit me. That used to be every episode of Jimmy Olsen. Oh, like every every yeah. every Jimmy Olsen. The Jimmy Olsen comics was like every issue something batshit insane happened to Jimmy mm. Olsen, and I kind of <laughs> loved that. Actually, I kind of wish they'd do that again. Right. But anyway, um, moving on. Uh, g- conclusion. Uh, now, my to yeah. my question. Ah. Uh, Star Trek: The Animated Series is one of the few live-action to animated series that did not add a fantastical character to appeal to children. Mm. If they added a funny magical character to Star Trek: The Animated Series. What would be their name, powers, and backstories? And you can't say Q. Damn it! I was uh, going to say Q. Yeah, critically yours, Eric. <laughs> the uh, one they, fa- they kind well, they, what they were able to do was add, uh, just sort of expand on concepts that they already had in Star Trek. Yeah. So they're going to beam down to a planet and meet an alien species, but now they're underwater species, right? They're a plant species. Well, yeah, the other thing things that, they couldn't do in live action. And they also added two new crew members to the mm. bridge who would be impossible to create. With mm. 1960s visual effect, which is Imraz, mm. who's a Catwoman, and who was like the three-armed Eric, guy? Eric's. Eric's, Mr. Yeah. Eric's. Yeah, so they added a couple of aliens who would have been just not convincing in 60s mm. uh, live-action television visual effects. Yeah, but they, they but, didn't uh, add a new, like, they didn't add a new fun kid character. Well, they didn't add, like, they didn't add Wesley Crusher. That's true. You know, they could have. Mm. But Wes, that's, and I think that's, it's that tradition of adding characters for kids that I think is one of the reasons why a lot of people responded very negatively to Wesley Crutcher because initially it felt like that's where they were going and it ended up mm. not quite being that. Right. And Wesley's grown on me over the years. But what would they what would they have done? Uh Let's well because they've had sort of like impish god characters on Star Trek even prior to the animated series mm-hmm. because there was Charlie X uh, uh-huh. Who uh, Kirk slapped across the face, mm-hmm. and there was uh, Trelane, the Squire of Gothos, who Kirk yeah. slapped across the face. Uh, that's the thing on the animated series. If they had some sort of like all powerful imp, yeah, they know how to take care of that. See, I don't think you wanted to be all powerful. I think you just want like a a, a youthful character. So mm-hmm. here's my here's my uh, uh, pitch. Oh, the, you know what? It would be like it would be like Spritel Racer. 
Yeah, like some kid engineer yeah. is always getting into trouble. And I know, and it's and it, because it would be the most annoying thing in the world, no matter how they handled it. Mm-hmm. I figured we just lean into it entirely. So here's the new crew <laughs> oh, member no. for Filmation's Star Trek mm-hmm. season three. We're not appealing to enough kids. We have to add a youthful character, introducing Ensign Harry Mudd Jr. Harry Mudd's child. Yes. Oh God. Who has joined Starfleet to spite his dad, and so when his dad comes in, they'll they'll hate each other. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and he's the most. St- Stick in the mud, fucking every everything by the book, the exact opposite of his dad, and somehow more annoying. I don't know how he manages. Mr. Scott, can you come help me? Where are you? I'm in the warp core. How'd you get in there? I don't know. Look, I'll explain when you get here. Uh, any other ideas? Um, I think that's gold, but... <laughs> or... Because Star Trek was very, you know, leaned very hippie and free love for a, a, a good portion of it, you get one of those, like, hippie musicians. Oh, God, no. From the hippie musician episode? Yeah, from the hippie musician episode. Oh. Like, he's just hanging around and constantly, like, jamming on the oh. bridge and asking people to go to his concerts. Oh, you're killing me, Smalls. Yeah. <laughs> you're killing me. Oh, that's awful. Get, get one of those hippie musicians. Like, a young kid, some teenager. And he's got some, like, mm-hmm. Star Trek-like fanciful electric guitar type of an instrument. Oh my god. He's like he's like the the Federation diplomat. It's like it's like when like um like a like a pop star is asked to like go to a foreign country for like to, for like humanitarian oh. relations or something like like Bono is going well, to check say, things he's out. The, the Bono of Star yeah, Trek is just this annoying teenager. But he's he's the diplomat who's on the crew of the of the, of the Enterprise all the time, but he's Bono. <laughs> He's like a teenage Bono. And he's got to have some sort of catchphrase. Yeah, and he's, he's like, wow, wow, wow! I ain't doing that! You know, whatever it is. <laughs> Too much! All right. <laughs> wild. It's very wild. If anyone has any other pictures, we'd love to hear them, but let's move on. Okay. Uh, here's a letter from Kevin. Let's Hello, retroactively Kevin. ruin some more shows. Absolutely. <laughs> what, else, what other show? Law and Order meets Scrappy-Doo. Oh, God. No, no when it's a celebrity guest, they're always the murderer, so right. Scrappy-Doo would be the murderer. Nice. Yeah, I did it. I'm glad. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, Bibbs. Hey, Whitney. I'll start saying I've been a huge fan for a while now, uh, starting when I stumbled across the Cancel Too Soon podcast and soon discovered your other podcasts and eventually joined the Patreon. Oh, bless you. Thank you very much. Uh, because I couldn't get enough Bibbs and Whitney. I've been wanting to write to you guys for a bit, but I wasn't sure if I had a question or a comment worthy of your time. Oh, it, worthy of our, our time. Our time is not that valuable. Yeah. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, your recent episode of Critically Acclaimed, number 219, I brought up something that I'd like to hear you discuss a bit further. Hmm. Bibbs mentioned that maybe they should should get rid of the MPA, MPAA rating system. I'm curious to know what you meant by that. Surely films... Should films not be rated by a board of some kind, or should the rating system be overhauled? Personally, I think it's better when uh, entertainment regulates itself, as with the movie and video game industry. Otherwise, the politicians who like to criticize violence or their content in movies and video games uh, and blame all of society's ills on them would intervene... Uh, and without that self-regulation, we'd quickly return to the days of the Hayes Code, where a movie's content is regulated by stringent government mandates. I don't know about you, but I don't have that much faith in today's lawmakers to do that. What sayest thou? Thanks, Kevin. Uh, thanks, Kevin. And that's a good question. Uh, real quick bit of uh, correction there. The Hayes Code was self-imposed. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Well. What happened was, what happened was there were, there, you know, in the era of the, before the Code, Hmm. Movies were getting pretty saucy. Movies were indeed getting pretty violent, and there were a lot of films that were 
uh, you know, pushing the boundaries of what was considered socially acceptable. So good cinema, in other words. A lot yeah. of it was really good cinema. Uh, and what happened was there were a lot of places where individual governments, like cities or states, would mm-hmm. ban a film. Yeah, and too, there was a general too, too cons- lascivious, too violent, pro- yeah. promotes bad values. Sometimes, yeah. the, sometimes the the excuse was it's not racist enough. Uh, yeah, that happened a couple times. Yeah, like you you treated you treated black people too well in this movie. Yeah, it happened with uh, one of the adaptations of Brewster's Millions. You can look that one up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, so the concern with Hollywood was they created the Hayes Code in order to self regulate themselves to prevent themselves from getting too much governmental ire. However. The self-regulation was as bad or worse than anything they'd get anywhere else, and it ended up being extremely restrictive, and now we look back on it as a pretty sad time. To be fair, a lot of brilliant movies were made under that code, often because they were pushing against the the moral structures that were erected around them and finding clever ways around it. Um, but, uh, yeah, no one quite wants to go back to that, but I think it's fair to say that the rating system isn't really doing much Mm. you know there aren't unless you have like really 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 careful and really overseeing every single thing your kids are viewing on the internet or otherwise they're gonna see stuff that isn't g or pg they're gonna be able to encounter it in their travels at some point it feels like the rating system is mostly there to give movie theaters basically a, a an excuse to say, like, hey, listen, we, we, we called rated R. We yeah, did what the, we uh, could. You know, you, you, it's not our fault. It had our, had our R-rated stuff in it. And I've said this before. It's it's there's a grand irony to yeah. the whole rating system that uh, they carefully construct these boards. They give these films ratings. A lot of theaters are mm-hmm. very careful about what types and, and what ratings they stock. Video mm-hmm. stores are careful about what ratings they stock. And the ultimate enforcers of these rules are shiftless teenage pl- employees who are getting minimum wage. Yeah, they, don't they care. really don't give a shit a lot of the time. No. And the uh, only time the only time I grew up and I was actually denied entrance mm. to an R-rated movie when I was going by myself as a child, uh-huh. was my senior year of high school. Uh-huh. Because Columbine had just happened, yeah. and, which is of course a horrible tragedy, but people really panicked and they were just like Okay, sorry. Now you can't see American Pie without an adult, and I'm like, really? You think American Pie is going to do it? <laughs> a, um, I know the movie sucks, but Jesus, yeah. I, I was turned away. <laughs> turned away twice. Once, um, my my older sister wanted to go see The Exorcist three. Uh, okay, that, that movie came out in like ninety one. I think ninety ninety one. Yeah, uh, and I, I was like. 12 years old. I was not, yeah. not, and I didn't want to see it. I was too scared of horror movies yeah, at the time. That was pretty intense for a so, kid, um, yeah, that movie. And, and we were turned away from that. We weren't able yeah. to see Exorcist 3. I saw that many years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, curiously, the only other one I was turned away from was Army of Darkness. Oh, weird. Which is, like, I Very know there's cartoonish. like a gar- geyser of blood, but yeah, it's really lighthearted. It's technically and R-rated, and, I think, but it's like, it, it is an R-rated film. I feel like today it would probably be a PG-13, yeah, with well, maybe, maybe a one or two cuts to the gore. I, I think it might have been, yeah, like the geyser of human blood that really yeah. kind of did it. And there's like one completely random shot of a topless woman in the movie as well. Well, there's also a decapitation, uh, but even that's like... Yeah, we, did get, that, we did it in Endgame, though. Who cares anymore? Guys get yeah. shot in the face. Well, you get to see the head, like, fly off in Army of I, Darkness. And Yeah, I feel like we're splitting hairs, though. Um, uh, but, the, the, uh, but yeah, when it comes to, like, <laughs> having an actual ratings system, uh, parents often don't have the time or the energy to do the kind of research that, uh, that they would need to do to sort of... Uh 
dictate what they want their children to see. And that's right. kind of what this is all for, isn't it? To make yeah. sure children don't see some untoward content. And I wouldn't want a yeah. 10-year-old going into certain R-rated movies. No, not definitely. Mm. I think I think parents should absolutely have the right mm. to know what their kids are getting into because some kids aren't ready for some stuff. Some mm. stuff is going to go over their heads. Some stuff is genuinely inappropriate depending on the age of the youth. And again, those those numbers might vary depending on how emotionally and, and mature the that mm. person may be, but as a parent, that's theoretically supposed to be your responsibility to know that and to help regulate that and make sure that your kid is only seeing stuff that they're ready for, that they can handle, that yeah, they can absorb yeah. in a thoughtful way. Uh, so when it comes time to like decide, like, okay, the system's broken. Hmm. The system is, at best, hypocritical and ineffectual. And, well, how and, do and we fix it? it? It's, it's, it's people have had me, yeah, ideas kinda, for that this whole time. I have mine. Yeah. I'm sure you have yours. Uh, what I think we just need to do is de-emphasize it. Mm -hmm. uh, not really care about what a rating is and filmmakers especially mm -hmm. should have filmmakers and studios shouldn't care yeah uh and theaters should enforce casually yeah. and most importantly parents should know um, yeah I, I appreciate and this was actually in a um, kind of a recent innovation with the rating system is uh in the past it would just be the letter rating mm -hmm. be gpg uh, R and X. Those were like the only ratings. Yeah. When it started, it was G, uh, GP, uh, R and X. Yeah. Uh, then, got then they added, yeah. yeah. Then in the eighties, they added PG 13 because there were a couple, uh, particularly rough PG rated films, gremlins and, mm. uh, Indiana Jones and the temple of doom were the two and, in particular. Uh, Poltergeist as well. Yeah. Poltergeist. Yeah. There's a couple like right in like 83, 84. Everyone's just like, this is a little yeah, violent like, for little... just above G. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we got PG-13, and I'm fine with that. That makes sense. Well, People forget, yeah. though, that PG-13 doesn't necessarily mean that every 13-year-old is supposed to go see it. Hmm. It means you could use parental guidance still. For people who are under 13. You should still think about mm. that. Um, and even but, 13, but you should, you, you're still, they're still your kid. Yeah, you should still think about that. But yeah. Just because of the way film marketing works and the way uh, yeah. you know certain films have been successful, it's been seen as... PG-13 is now just... Now, standard co it's code for like a broadly appealing four quadrant movie now yeah uh, and that's all <laughs> yeah it, it's um, come to mean something different r uh, is for things with a little bit more cussing and violence mm -hmm. and nc-17 is more or less porn to the film industry yeah it's the, equivalent the, to yeah. it's like it's it, unmarketable is basically how yeah, they consider man. it um so, so when it comes to but no, yeah. what i was going to say oh, is gonna say? Uh, in what they did is actually this really brilliant innovation, which should have changed the entire landscape of it, but they started to say what was objectionable in the rating. That's it. That's what I was going to yeah, get at. They, they said, like, PG-13, four scenes of violence and some cussing. Like, that's that's yeah. all you need to know. I feel like if it were me, because here's the... I mean, I mean mm. we could have a long debate about this, and we'd have to talk to a whole bunch of people and whatever, but, like, if it were up to me, that would be where I would lean. I would say, instead of going with this R rating, whatever, I think we just divvy up the basic things that people generally tend to be worried about. Uh, violence, sensuality, and maybe, like, mature themes and language. You know, is this movie about something that's too intense for kids, even if it's handled without yeah, but, a lot of violence? Like, is it really, really intense about racism? That kind of thing. Like, mm. that kind of thing might not, you know, Fibro might not be ready for that. That kind of thing. So, like, no, we can have that conversation. doesn't want to have that conversation with their uh, their kid yet. Yeah, exactly. Like, maybe, or, or you don't want to have it when it's that harsh, for example, like mm. that. You want to introduce it slowly. I, I can appreciate that. I may or may not agree. But, uh, so what I would do is this. I would take those key areas. We could decide what they are. And then I would have 
basically just a vague content warning. This would be on every poster or whatever. Mm-hmm. That would just be like on a scale of like one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Where one is there's like if it, let's say let's say adult language. One is no adult language. Mm-hmm. Two is there's a little adult language. Yeah. Three is enough to be concerned. Uh-huh. You know, and then we just do that, and you can see that whole thing, and then you can have one of those like scanning cards or whatever like that, and you can just look on your phone for more detailed information if that's oh, what you want. Yeah. I understand people don't necessarily want all the information like foisted well, upon them in case it's like spoilery. You're gonna find out like how people die in a Jason right, movie, right, that right. kind of thing. But it should be accessible for people who care. And, and there are mayhem tallies out there online. Yeah. There's like a, you know Christian monitoring groups that mm-hmm. have like every single thing that might be even vaguely objectionable. But I feel or like that's horror, horror hounds who want to see that kind of <laughs> stuff. Three three scenes of spilled out guts and right. four heads. I feel like flying, there's I know. feel like there should be a neutral medium like in between there where it's like because the Christian one is basically really judgy and oftentimes yeah, yeah. the things that they are concerned about are things like that are like, very not I like remember b- benign depictions of queerness are seen as I remember I saw you know. I saw one of those uh, 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 descriptions of Wallace and Gromit Curse of the Were-Rabbit uh-huh. and uh, when they were talking about the potential uh, depictions of queerness mm-hmm. uh, the mean dog has a coin purse with flowers on it and I'm like come oh, the fuck on jeez are you kidding me that's not even we're not mentioning no, that that's no. nonsense so like but I feel like uh, basically you just want one that isn't like hey, oh, you know this what? is awesome and oh no this is terrible but just a neutral there's a few decapitations and there's quite a lot of blood that he, kind of thing here's you know? my solution so we have G and we have PG G is kind of gone we, we don't mm-hmm. so few films get G ratings anymore I think. yeah even, even family films yeah. pretty rare yeah um so here's what you do. You drop off G, or you just... Well, again, if, in my yeah. system, it would just be a series of ones. Oh, okay. You know, like, it would be, instead of one, instead of you got a bunch of twos, or, like, a, you get, if they're almost all ones, mm. that's a G. Okay. You know, so, that's pretty much suitable for everybody. Well, so here, but here's what we have now. We have G, we have PG, we have PG-13, we have R, and we have NC-17. Just the right. five ratings, right? Yeah. Expand it to ten. Uh, you mean ten ratings. Ten ratings. That's a, that's a lot of people to remember. Well, let's scale of one to ten. Easy to remember. Oh, okay. And I see what you're saying. And uh, what we currently have at R is five. Oh, all, all of the... Uh, Jesus. That's, all, that's all of a, the harsher you're stuff. You're asking for a lot. Oh, yeah. You're all asking of, for a lot of... All of, all of like, the really there. harsh shit now has like separate ratings. So we can start delving into a lot more adult material now, all can't right. we? All right. And, uh, I'm not sure the market necessitates that many more ratings, but okay. I don't, fuck the market. I'm just. Okay. I, I think this was. There would be a way to show that half of the movies that are now being rated uh-huh. are, are can now attract much more adult ratings. So mm-hmm. by the time we get to ten, that's like Human Centipede three. Yeah, like, like, like really, th- things really that are ghastly, just, just yeah. unbelievably sick, extreme shit is right at that end. Yeah, and that's gonna alert me to the stuff I want to see. <laughs> uh, because I'm a sick bastard who wants to see that stuff. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the issue here is that we don't have a lot of uh, workable adult ratings. The rating system is geared toward protecting kids, right? Well, yeah, that and is mostly its reason for existence. So, uh, okay, all these PG-13 rated movies. Well, let's break that PG-13 up into a couple ratings, sure. like two or three. Then we have some in the middle that are for uh, you know teenagers or college kids. Mm-hmm. And then all the rest of that stuff, heck, go up to 21. Get really oh, sick geez. stuff in there. Uh, I, I saw a movie this week called The Sad 
madness. That would be like in a nine or ten because that's, wow. that's a really extreme movie. Oh shit! Um, this is insane. I have to go see this weekend. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, we, we, it's, it's we, a movie on Shutter right now. We we had um, some scheduling issues, so we decided since almost nothing came out last week, we're going to skip critically acclaimed this week and just catch up next week. So mm. I need to catch up on sadness apparently because Jesus. Yeah, it's Whitney calls it a nine or a ten. <laughs> my God, well, maybe maybe not a ten, but it's it's there's okay. there's a lot of, a lot of blood, gore, and yeah. But if Whitney considers it a, a, a genuinely depravity in that movie, if Whitney considers it genuinely depraved, that's uh, that's saying something. So fair enough. Not so, because Whitney so is I depraved; think, he just watches a lot to, of movies. Okay, maybe not R is five. Maybe R is like six or seven. But yeah. we need we need things like need things above R. multiple ratings above R yeah. to sort of d- denote that there are actually a lot of entertainments that can be made for an adult audience. We mm-hmm. don't need to start centering on broadly appealing four quart four quadrant movies. And I think having that many ratings might encourage people and filmmakers to think of a, a broader level of, of where they can adjust their film. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's actually going to be a lot more nuance. It's not just going to be, Oh, there's these four things. So NC 17, it's like, yeah. no, let's start like delving into it and get a little bit more detailed. Cause that's kind of what we're looking for here. Well, I think I agree. I have a different way of going about mm-hmm. it, but I see your point anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone else has any like outside the box ideas on how to fix the MPAA, I think we all mm-hmm. agree that there should be some way to find out what you're getting into before you're, sitting there with your family mm-hmm. i think we all agree that there should be something in place for that uh but yeah how to fix it has been something we've been pondering as an industry for decades mm-hmm. uh i have my idea whitney has his idea i'm sure others have their own and we would love to hear yours so yeah. feel free to email us uh if you have any other thoughts uh again especially if they're outside the box not just mm-hmm. not just like renaming uh uh the ratings which might be a band-aid but i don't think it would fix anything in the long run like Mm -hmm. what do we do how do we how do we completely rework this Mm -hmm. because when i said jettison and altogether i didn't mean just throw everything into a pile yeah i I mean there's i I appreciate wanting to have Mm -hmm. some codification but the way it works now Mm -hmm. i think we can throw out the way it works now in a pile and just start afresh with something different be nice if if they just went through a uh, rating system of one to five rather than giving them letters Okay. Because uh, now now the rating is aspirational, isn't it? Oh, like, fair. oh, we, we, we made it to three. No, we made it to four. Oh, yeah, I don't think only like, so many people are really going to be worried about yeah, that, but okay. So. Uh, here's a letter from Jeremy. Hi, hello, Jeremy. Jeremy. Um, hello, Bibbs and Whitney. I hope you're both doing well, and the weather where you are, where you are has been pleasant. Small talk completed. Onto the reason for writing. Uh, jelly. Well, it's mostly been warm. It's been warm. Uh, occasional, mm-hmm. With an occasional cold snap here and there. Yeah, nice. God, um, I love those. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes while listening to you two gentlemen, I find myself wondering what kind of setup you use for podcasts. Huh. Clearly use a computer and a microphone. Yes, oh. we do. <laughs> yeah, um, right now. Uh, but I'm curious, do you use an interface or just use a USB mic? Do you have two mics or just share one? Do you have mm. a dream setup? It's fine if you don't want to talk about brands unless it gives you some sponsors. But I admit that I've been curious to see the mad men behind the curtain. And speaking of sponsors, I'm a member of your Patreon and I see your advertised ad-free podcasts there. I typically have listened to your For Everybody podcasts on my iPhone using the Apple app and the Patreon for the exclusives. What is financially better for you? Do your sponsors give you more money if you have a certain number of listeners with the ads or does it matter? And do you guys just get paid? Uh, sadly, due to my financial situation, I had to downgrade my pledge. Sorry, I honestly wish I could afford the top tier. Don't Don't ever worry about public. that. You give us a penny, we're, we're happy We're for incredibly it. grateful for anything you can give. Even if, actually, even, if, yeah. if you can't afford to be a patron, we totally get it. Times mm-hmm. are hard. If, if you really want to help, leave us a review. 
Yeah, that go, really go, helps a lot. If you have no money, uh, leave us a review. Take and a tell little a time. Yeah, go on to yeah. iTunes or wherever you get it, and yeah, just leave a positive review for us. The, or a fair one. Or a fair one. It doesn't the, have to be the five more, star. And the more honest. reviews we get, the higher yeah. like an algorithm pushes it up on some list yeah. somewhere. We always want a fair uh, review. If you hate yeah. our show, it's weird that you're still listening, but feel free to send us that review. Uh, you know what? If, if you're listening and you're hate listening, welcome. Thanks for listening. Thanks we're, for listening. We're glad to have you, too. All uh, right. Anyway, uh, but I can't... I, uh, if I can help you out and spend a minute or two listening to an ad so you can get paid, I do that. Uh, but I do sincerely hope you are well, and I'm glad that Bibbs is cancer-free. Thank okay, you. Yeah, congratulations. Appreciate it. Uh, this is not small talk. I'm legitimately glad, and neither of you have cancer. Sincerely, <laughs> Jeremy. Uh, P.S. Whitney, for whatever it's worth, I'm glad you are willing to set aside your journalistic integrity to make your son happy by giving an honorable mention to Encanto on the E's Iron List. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's something that I... I, I said this. It's not something I would have included, but my son insisted. So I mentioned it on the show. And you know what? I included it without any young person encouraging mm. me to do so. I think that movie's right. really delightful. So. Uh, that sounds like I'm teasing, but your parenting stories always warm my part. Best yeah. wishes to your son. May continue to grow in intellect and wit. Yeah, he, he's, he's a, a smart kid. He, he's a card, that one. Yeah, he's a bright kid. He's very mm. funny. I like that kid a lot. Uh, anyway, uh, as for what, what is our setup? Well, okay, so our well, first of all, pretty, pretty pretty light actually. Chapter one, our dream setup. Oh yeah, uh, our dream setup is we have a little room, yeah, with chairs that don't squeak, yeah, uh, and we have we each <laughs> have our a, own mic and a little and big like fuzzy can, egg carton things yeah, on the big, wall, yeah, noise can, yeah, ta- sound dampening walls, and yeah. each have our own mic and we each have big can headphones. And I actually don't like and, the headphones. I don't like. I find the headphones distracting. I'd rather not wear them. Okay. I don't. I will not wear them. I will uh, not while we record anyway. I'll listen to them. That's like true. Whatever, it's actually more organic when you can just hear each other's voices. I, I think it's weird. Uh, I think it leads to a less comfortable conversation, especially when you have new people over and like it just no. it just it, it's no. it's a weird vibe. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of how that. How but that it, but additionally, we have a little booth off to the side. We have a whole team of professional engineers Ooh. who are mixing our language as we ah, go. And as soon as great. we're done, they can mix it together and edit it and just send it out for us. Ah. That's our ideal setup. No, I would satis- I would settle for having our own little soundproof booth with comfortable non-squeaky chairs mm. uh it there's some air circulation that won't get picked up on the mic because i am constantly overheating in the summer um but as it stands we actually have a pretty inexpensive setup um we record onto uh my laptop sometimes whitney's but usually mm. mine uh i have garage band it's actually a very useful uh pretty pretty good all-purpose tool mm. um it came it came with my uh macbook um if you if we can't have that for whatever reason my laptop has been in the shop a few times uh we usually use what do you use you use audacity i use audacity audacity uh, gets it, the job done it's changed names a bunch but whatever audacity was that's yeah. what i use uh that's what i use to make my audio dramas it's actually an incredibly handy tool. and it's free so you mm. know bonus um regarding tech stuff um I, we get no money for this, but we've been pretty consistent uh, ever since we upgraded our microphone the first time. Uh, we've been using a Yeti, a Y-E-T-I. Mm-hmm. It's a brand of microphone. It is a very good, versatile uh, uh, microphone. Uh, we only have the one, but it is omnidirectional. And so uh, we used to have it on a mic stand on the table, and then we realized we kept getting all of these bumps when we touched the table. So uh, we purchased a relatively inexpensive tripod. Uh, and we connected uh, the microphone on top of that, so it is hovering between us. Uh, and um, yeah, we have the setting uh, on the USB mic so that it is only picking up uh, sort of uh, opposite directions, picking up Whitney's side, my side, nothing above, below, etc. Um, and yeah, usually we record in my living room. It sounds more or less okay. Um, it's I I do most of the editing myself and. 
there are times when I just want to pull my eyebrows out. <laughs> I just, I can't, like, I hear the humming of the refrigerator in the background. There's only so much I can do about that. Uh, or but... something weird reverb and I can't control it too much. Like, I'm pretty good at editing. I'm no, I'm not an expert. Um, but yeah, it doesn't actually take a lot to get a decent sounding podcast. It's basically just, don't cheap out on the microphone. Hmm. You don't have to get the most expensive microphone in existence, but don't get like a forty dollar microphone. Get no, so you can spend at least a hundred, two hundred bucks on it. That's going to where hmm. most of your money is going to go. Uh, and then I recommend getting a tripod for it. Um, it's uh, and setting it up like a boom mic uh, yeah, that yeah. really has made all the difference. Um, so it's, it's sort of like hovering in air. Um, oh, yeah, we uh, we used to record with the mic on the table, yeah, and uh, so, you yeah. probably heard a lot of. Like knocking noises, and yeah, as, way more than our, we do now. We cross our legs and bump the table from underneath. All of a sudden, yeah. you got this big boom on the mic. Yeah, it was a real pain in the ass, and I didn't realize how easy it was to fix for way too long. Uh, and then, yeah, and then it's just finding a program you're comfortable with, figuring out the right settings. There's lots of online tutorials for that, but you can get yourself a pretty comfortable, decent podcasting setup for a pretty minimal investment. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's then it's just a matter of getting comfortable with it, finding a good co-host, and um, yeah. That's it, really. It's that's yeah, well, the hard stuff. It's it's not that hard. Well, William's been looking for a good co-host for a while, so I've been shut filling up. I got time. lucky so fast. <laughs> I got lucky so I literally, I literally was like, so they said, "Hey, Bibbs, we want you to start a, a podcast," and I'm like, mm. "Okay, cool." Mm. Can I get a co-host? And I'm like, "Well, yeah." And I was like, "Okay, cool." And I just knew someone else who knew you. I was like, do you think we do make a good podcast host? And they were like, yeah. And I'm like, cool. And then I yelled down from my balcony because we were neighbors. <laughs> Wait, you want to be a podcast with me? And you were like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was kind of it. Yeah. We got very lucky. Well, what, what an epic, interesting story. It was a very, very mm. fortuitous uh, 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 arrangement. Mm. But anyway. Uh, but yeah, anyway, the tech stuff. Not that complicated. There are people who have way better setups than us. I would love to have them, but it's a it's a financial investment and also a learning curve that yeah. we don't really need yeah. to go through right now. If we're going to upgrade, I'd rather upgrade like a lot all at once rather than just get yeah, like go. two microphones. Exactly. You know, yeah. like I'd want to make sure we did the whole as much yeah. as we could. Yeah. Would be really really nice, and who knows? Maybe one of us will one day move to a bigger apartment or something. We could do um, that. As for uh, if you're concerned about getting us money, I mean, yeah. thanks for listening. That's that's all we, we really mm. want. Um, uh, the more people listen to the ad version, the mm. bigger our payout is, and that's all I can say. Uh, uh, I, I say actually don't know the actual. Um, yeah. Yeah. balance of it but i will say this it's it's not a staggering amount of money uh it's it's, it's some it's, it's some not, money yeah. it's uh, it's not it's not insubstantial or we wouldn't do it but it's also mm. not really paying like mm. it's no one no <laughs> one's gonna pay off a mortgage with that okay right. it just um, it just helps uh if you pay into the patreon mm. uh that money goes straight to us uh yeah. it's not dependent on how many people are listening so um yeah. that's I guess that's like a little bit more beneficial in terms of like mm-hmm. just lucre. Yeah. But we would rather you not focus on that. We'd rather no, just you that. listen and you know enjoy what listen we do. To, if you can afford and want to contribute, the Patreon is a great way. If you want to, if you don't mind the ads, we've had a couple of instances where we found out that like uh, apparently recently we had some Republican political ads uh, yeah, airing in front yeah. of our podcast. And thank you to, the, to, to people everyone, who point that out to us. Anyone yeah. who points out that there is an ad because we don't have complete control over exactly what goes in front of us, but we do have veto power. Hmm. And so if we found out that like oh here's an ad with like 
I know we had we early on we had like some shitty weight loss stuff that was like you oh, know basically yeah. just basically like you you should feel bad and I'm like well we don't want that shit and oh, I and yeah, I asked yeah. them can we not air anything like that and they said yeah and then we yeah, didn't they're they're actually really yeah. good about taking yeah. down the ads we object to so which is fine so it's, um, it's, it's only happened three times where we've had to ask for them to three tops yeah there, there was that one there was an ad for like uh, there's like a, an army recruitment ad that we that was on our show that was the other one and yeah, yeah the most recent was like for some yeah some shit healers yeah running do not us. do not vote Republican in Georgia right now. <laughs> if you want to know like where we actually stand on that, this is this is just our political opinion. Yeah. Don't vote Republican. You're not going to help anything. Yeah. Uh, so if you hear any Republican ads on our show, please tell us. We will have that shit taken down. We do not want anyone to vote Republican because they think we did. That would be a nightmare scenario for me. Um, but uh, so yeah, we don't. We can't go into too much detail about that. But we do get paid for that. Uh, but just whatever is convenient for you. If you can afford to chip in a couple of bucks, we want to make sure that even if you only can afford to chip in one dollar, you get something. Hmm. And that is right now ad-free shows, and also you can vote in a variety of polls. And yeah, we're gonna yeah. finish up a couple episodes of Holy Batman, but we only got a few left. Uh, and then, yeah, and then if you can afford to pay more, you'll get more exclusive stuff, and we want to make sure you feel compensated for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, thanks for caring enough to ask. So, there you go. Uh, another letter? Yeah, we got time. Right, here's a letter from J-Lo. No, not that one. Okay. Uh, thank Hi. you for writing in, J-Lo. Uh, gents, during a recent conversation on fandom, uh, Whitney made mention that the that Han Solo's iconic vest was used in Solo, A Star Wars Story. No. <sighs> I'm wrong. I'm wrong about a movie I hate. And, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> no, the costume worn by Alden Ehrenreich uh, through the movie is a brown leather jacket, which Alex Damon had been using as his Schmodown costume. Uh, In fact, the other legacy characters also get new costumes with Donald Glover's Lando wearing a loud yellow ensemble and even uh, Junas Suatomo's Chewbacca having a bandolier with two straps instead of one. Uh, While the movie isn't great, the costume designers did put in the work to make the costumes that evoked the characters well enough that four years later, Whitney thought they were just the same. Which is which is fair fair to point out where credit is due. Fair to point out, but I think the point stands that it really did feel like it was of a piece. Yeah, yeah, but fair enough. That's fair. Anyway, I should at least add something of substance in here. Uh, How how and why do costumes in long running franchises evolve to bring it back to something Whitney cares about? Do you think that Star Trek: The Next Generation would have felt the same if the original? series costumes were used were reused wholesale we're mm. using the same costumes in solo from the empire strikes back have been different best j-lo no not that one uh, that's a good question mm. um so yeah costume design is an aspect of cinema that we don't get a chance to talk about enough uh we're not experts in it but although we, we care we did host the very first podcast uh attended by colleen atwood yeah colleen it was a it was a Basically a one-on-one, just her and us mm-hmm. interview. It was the first podcast Colleen Atwood ever did, and that was cool. It was mm. too short for my liking, but it was cool. Oh, she, she was busy. She was very, very busy. They were very cool to give I us I don't even remember what movie she was working on. Uh, I think it was... Was it The Huntsman Winter's War? It might have been, yeah. Yeah, uh, but uh, in any case, very, very cool person. We've interviewed her a couple of times. Very thoughtful. Costume design is a very underappreciated aspect of cinema. Most people only tend to notice it in big, like, fanciful movies with, Mm. like, gorgeous gowns or exciting superhero costumes, but there's a lot more to it than that. Mm. Um, Regarding how costumes change in, more like franchises, really, than series, because usually when there's a specific uniform involved... The series mm. keeps it more or less the same, only evolves a little bit over time. Yeah, I I, uh, 
I'm a little frustrated with uh, a, the way Star Trek has been doing it recently yeah. because Star Trek is about uniforms. Yeah. Everybody wears it's the a, same thing. It's a military and, uniform, essentially. Yeah. And I think because they want a lot of visual variety on the mm-hmm. show, they're updating the the uniforms like twice a year now. It's not... It's, it's, even even back in the Next Generation uh, Deep Space Nine days, mm-hmm. I was annoyed by it because it's like, okay, so I appreciate that in the... How long? How long is it between uh, the original series and next gen? About like seventy five hundred years. Uh, it's like yeah, it's like about eighty years. About eighty years. That's enough time. Like that that's enough time that Starfleet might update their uniforms. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a, that might happen. But like, and then doing it again when Deep Space Nine came along, and then doing it again when First Contact came along. Mm. You have not been on the Enterprise for more than like 10, 15 years at that point. That is a long, long. Mm long distance to distribute all those outfits (laughs) across the galaxy just to make sure everyone's got the same shoulder pads like it's ridiculous i mean they have replicators but But still still, it's uh, ridiculous like what what, why uh, even change them at that point what are we fixing i understand i understand from like a production standpoint when you're making a feature like one feature film every couple of years yeah that you might want to change it a little bit yeah that, I'm to make that. that one film look a little bit different, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's getting a little aggravating when, like, the Avengers series has like three, four movies every year, mm-hmm. and the costumes are changing from picture to picture. Yeah. Uh, well, there was there were a few scenes in like some of the Avengers movies where we got to see how Iron Man put that suit on. Yeah. Uh, originally, he had like these like robotic arms that sort of assembled it around his body, and it mm-hmm. took a few moments for that to happen. Uh, then as the the shows went on, uh, yeah, like a suitcase on, that turned into one. Yeah, and that one was like a cool, suitcase yeah. kind of wrapped around his body, and one he just was like walking at a normal pace, and the machines could like rip it off him just while he was moving naturally. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, and then eventually it just turned into this like goop that grows around Nanobots, his body, which, which is, is that feels like cheating at that yeah, point. And I, I, the same thing happened with Spider Man. It's like he gets in a suit in a position and it just sort of like grows around his body. And well, I understand that's sort of a conceit of these superhero movies that have these yeah. high tech things, but. It it makes it takes a lot of humanity away from it. Yeah. Um, there's a scene that I wish I could have seen in um, uh, the, the tarmac fight one, uh, Civil War. Civil War, yeah. Where uh, like one team of superheroes is over here and the others over here is like, hey, we're finally here. And they're like meeting in a parking garage and they're just in their street clothes. Uh-huh. It's like, okay, well let's okay let's go down to that tarmac and let's go to fight. And I wanted there to be a little intermission where they're like sitting in a parking structure, like taking their shirts off and trying to get the yeah. pulling your boots on. Like that, this probably takes took a, a lot. It takes to get a minute it, to get, get into get, those ridiculous outfits. Yeah, even even like the non mechanical ones. It's mm. like because well, actually like one thing I kind of liked actually about. Um, I think it was the Spider-Man costume from the Tom... I forget which Tom Holland movie had this, but mm-hmm. um, basically the idea was it's after like the ridiculous Scarlet Spider suit, which is just too much Iron Man for Spider-Man for my days, but there was one he had that was very simple, which is basically it's a really baggy Spider-Man outfit until he presses like a button on like his, the spider on his chest or like on his oh, belt buckle, and then just him. tightens up. And I'm yeah. like... You know what? That's fine. Yeah, That's a good yeah. meeting because that makes sense. It, it it seems like it'd be a lot easier to get into. Mm. You don't have to worry about, oh, I ate too many sandwiches for lunch and now the suit doesn't fit. Adjust <laughs> you know? itself to your body. I, yeah. I thought that was a pretty good thing. But um, there's a couple of things with costume design that I think um, we don't always take into consideration in these kind of fanciful uh, situations. In Star Trek, we're talking about like an actual military organization and how often they would realistically completely overhaul their uniforms. When was the last time you saw the Marines completely overhaul dress blues? Yeah. It doesn't it's... happen that often. So, But I, one thing I do think about sometimes, though, is um, superheroes 
probably have more than one costume. You know, they probably have two costumes at least, because in case one's in the wash or gets damaged, you're fighting people all the time. But at that point, the question is, does it have to be the exact same costume every time? What if you want to be fashionable and wear something like a slight variation on it or something? Mm -hmm. Slightly different color blue, or maybe the star on your thing is on a jacket instead of a shirt. I mean... Why not? As long as you're more or less on brand, who cares? I was going to say you need to be on brand. But as long as you're more or less on brand... Spider-Man's outfit changes, but he always has those sort of like big spider eyes on on the mask. Yeah, so you know it's Spider-Man. Like, it's, it's clear at a distance. And I think as long as that's the case, there's some wiggle room there. One thing I actually really liked how they did was uh, in the TV series Arrow. Uh, The TV series Arrow... Which I think was Colleen Atwood. It was, I think, initially. But um, I know she did The Flash, which is... She did The Flash, and she did Supergirl. I don't remember if she did Arrow or not, but she was definitely... And she didn't do every episode, but she was consulted on the main designs Mm -hmm. of the outfits so that they looked cool, because those are your your big ones, so those have to Mm -hmm. look good. Uh, And kudos for The Flash and Supergirl, beautifully done in both. The cool thing about Arrow is that initially he wasn't concerned about looking good. Mm. And indeed, his costume was really very simple. Uh He would wear uh, really dark green, didn't really matter, could have been black, uh, sort of leather gear. Kind of a military kind of thing. A little more, not military, but, you know, more practical biker type thing, you know, something, Mm. you know. Sturdy. yeah. Yeah, something sturdy. And even, like, his mask, he just painted, like, some, like, face paint. Okay. Over his eyes. That was it. He wasn't worried about a photo op. He just wanted to make sure that in the shadows mm. he couldn't quite make out who he was. Over time, as the series progressed and that hero became less a killer vigilante and more an actual hero of the people, his costume evolved a bit organically, became a little brighter. He actually traded in the face paint for an actual mask. It evolved to meet the needs of the character. All right. And even though it didn't really look like the comics initially, it was practical enough for the character's needs, and eventually we got the comics-accurate version when it made sense to have it. That's a great way to do it, but when you're serialized and you have the opportunity to build over time like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which which goes back to uh, Han Solo. Um, mm-hmm. When you have a character and you're going like way back into their past mm-hmm. or way into their future, mm-hmm. you you don't necessarily want to see them in the same outfit because it means they haven't changed clothes in thirty you years. You only have one shirt. Like how is that even possible? I, I know like, that was, that was uh, an issue some people had with um, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which yeah. was made uh, nearly twenty years after the previous yeah. film and. Uh, it, Indiana Jones. Okay, he's wearing the signature hat. He's the hat. That's yeah. That's he kind might of not a, even be the same hat. He just gets. Mm-hmm. He likes that hat. He probably mm-hmm. got a new hat someday. But he's wearing the same color shirt. He's still got like the 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 leather satchel across his chest. Uh-huh. The same color pants. Uh-huh. It's like he's just some old guy who has never bothered to change clothes. I will say this right now. My dad mm-hmm. uh, lived to be lived to be in his seventies, which is pretty good for for a guy who had had cancer when he was forty. Uh, my dad had a jacket or two that he had worn for about 40 years. Those were, when he went out on his motorcycle, those were his jackets. He wore one or the other. Mm. Uh, one time, one of them saved his life because he hit a skid, and you can just, the rip on that jacket was just beautiful. Like, he wore it like a badge of honor. But, like, the idea that Indiana Jones, as an old man, would have a lucky satchel, mm. or that he would just have a jacket he keeps going back to, or a hat that he's been wearing for forever. I buy all of that. Mm. I buy all of it because, again, that's not like a uniform that needs to be upkept, that needs to be kept sturdy. That's just his stuff. 
But the difference with Indiana Jones, at least, is that we see when he's not in the field and needs to be wearing leather or whatever. Mm. He's just wearing regular clothes. <laughs> yeah. He wears a bow tie to work, you know? Like, he's he doesn't wear that every single day. Yeah. He's not Jeff Goldblum in the fly. Like Just, you know, cl- clothing does change and evolve, and the yeah. technology to make clothing changes. And sure. the kinds of colors go in and out of fashion. And so people will wear different clothes at different if, times if, in their lives. If we if we see someone like Indiana Jones as an old man wearing the exact same outfit, well, it, then he's not really a character. He's just an outfit at that point. Well, he's an icon. He's an icon. Where basically, like, you just, you need to, when you see him, you need to see him. Well, exactly. You know? But, you know, characters can get too iconic for their own good. Now, when yeah. you're talking about a fantastical superhero character. Yeah. That's fine. That's... Yeah. Well, I, they, I they argue li- Indiana li- Jones is pretty damn close to that already. He, he's a pulp hero. It's, it's you yeah. know, adjacent. But, you know, when you're talking about... It's like saying Dick Tracy, was, do you have to wear the yellow hat? Yes. I have to wear the yellow hat. When you're talking about the Flash, though, you yeah. he, he has to wear the outfit because sure. the costume is a big part of being a superhero. Yeah. The Flash wouldn't be a comic book if he just wore street clothes. He has to wear the red outfit and have lightning bolts around him because mm-hmm. that's the appeal of the character. It's fantastical. He looks neat. It looks neat. That's what you need. You need it to look neat on a comic page. And then they adapt it to... Uh, to live action and they put someone in that actual costume and it looks kind of silly. You uh, know, they used to say that and then I gotta tell you something. A lot of the time when they finally just say fuck it hmm. and go for the more comics accurate look, if you have a decent costume designer, it can look great. Mm-hmm. I remember when uh, the, the original X-Men movies came out oh. and they had the black leather yeah. And they were just—it was, was right after the Matrix vi- came out. Outfit. Yeah, it was right it's after the Matrix came out. It was where were people wearing it at the time. It look, seemed plausible. Look good. Look fine. Yeah. Got no objection to it, really. But the the argument was always that, like, look, you do not want the original X Men costumes on screen; they'll look ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then X Men First Class came out, and they looked fine. No, they looked ridiculous. They looked fine. They looked like uh, a superhero movie, mm-hmm. but they looked fine. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the one that always gets me, and uh, you. You know me and Thor. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm not a fan of Thor. I think <laughs> can't even say it with a straight no. face. No, one syllable. You can't get it out of your mouth without putting some sass on it. <laughs> I forgot which Avengers movie it was, but like he's outside doing something. They walk up to him. They just say, "Hey, Thor!" It's like. <laughs> And I just bust out laughing. It's like, oh yeah, it's a just, name. People are named Thor. I, I, yeah, Thor hired all, I suppose. But, yeah. but hey, Thor. It's like, hey, it's Hercules. Uh, the outfits they put in that guy, like these vests with these big sort of like circular Circles, things yeah. down, and then right out of the comics. Yeah. And so many of the outfits now, like they're supposed to be made of metal, but they look like plastic. Sure. I hate all of the plastic looking costumes. I, they look completely ridiculous. That's one me. of the things where, like, a lot of the times when Jack the, Kirby was designing a costume, mm. he designed it to look cool. It was no consideration for practicality. No, it's supposed to like, be drawing. It doesn't yeah. have to be on a real person. And exactly. now they're trying to put those on a real person. And they some look of them, fucking stupid. Some of them look a little weirder than others. And now there's two <laughs> Thors. There's there's Natalie portman thor and there's chris hemsworth thor they both look ridiculous they've had multiple thors before we remember beta ray bill oh yeah that was very bill kicked that you ridiculous at all you shut your mouth we had an alien horse thor Thor and he was the best skull and that's it he was the best He was the best of us. Thor with a horse skull sounds cool, but if unless he's like playing in a metal band. (laughs) That would be a great way to introduce Beta Ray Bill. (laughs) Welcome to the stage, Beta Ray Bill! Oh god, Walt Simonson's run on Thor was fucking epic. (laughs) I'm Uh, gonna shit on the government! (laughs) (laughs) That's Beta Ray Bill. That's my version of Beta Ray Bill. That's the film I want to watch. I love it to pieces. Christ. Anyway, that's, that's a little comment on, on 
uh, long running series with yeah. uh, characters that wear evo- the same kind of costume. They're, they're going to evolve a little bit, but I just think you have to like come up with some reason for them to evolve, unless mm. they're evolving very little. Yeah. In which case, they're just you're just you know spiking up. But sometimes it's just a practicality thing. Mm. Remember when uh, in uh, the Dark Knight, when uh, Christian Bale Batman goes to Lucius Fox and just says, "Hey, I have a design thing I want to do for the Bat costume," and Lucius Fox is like, "You want to be able to turn your head." Why wouldn't he? <laughs> like, it was an impractical oh, thing. And, like, the Tim Burton universe, they just they made it all out of rubber and they just never really talked about it. But, oh, yeah, yeah, he couldn't yeah. turn his head in that thing. No, it's like bending yeah. at the waist a lot. Uh, yeah, it's and, a and totally that was, impractical way to do a fighter. My God. Tim Burton is a very stylish well, yeah, he wasn't to carrying, have a certain He wasn't considering the practicalities, it, yeah. but when it came time to do The Dark Knight, they're just like, yeah, I should be able to move mm. a little. <laughs> Should be able to look to the left. What, that, that was Batman's weakness for a whole movie. If you were to no, the left or the right, he was fucked. Uh, one last word. Uh, there's um, the the character of Star Lord from oh, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. He's got a, like a signature look to got him. A cool vest. He's, he's got a cool, cool, cool jacket. Vest, this, this cool, yeah. Practical mask that sort of appears on his face. Oh yeah, I think it's fun. Yeah. Um, he is like like one of the selling points of the characters. That he's really kind of like sassy and immature he's kind yeah. of like a man-child character yes. if we catch up with that guy when he's like 60 and he's still wearing the same coat that makes sense because <laughs> he would not change his coat no he thinks he'd, it, he'd still think it yeah. looks cool yeah and everyone so would tell him that doesn't look cool kind of a right. douchey character it's okay to yeah. keep the same costume <laughs> well, fair enough all right anyway, anyway uh here's a letter another letter Let's, one got? more letter we have time for uh, one here's more. a letter from alan hello alan hey, um, alan Dear Bebs and Rockmeister McCule, that's me. Uh, I'd, I'd like to ask a quick question. What are the fictional characters which ha- uh, had films made about them in the 60s and 70s and are still having films made about them today? Uh, I don't count classic stories like Little Women, so like adaptations of literature. Uh, only characters having different stories made about them and only characters playing a central role in the movie. This is all I could think of, and I'm sure there are more. Uh, Superman, mm-hmm. Batman, James Bond, Sherlock Holmes, King Kong, and Godzilla. I heard someone say that Dracula should be on the list, but I haven't heard of a new Dracula movie off for a long time. Not well, Dracula Untold was Dracula Untold was not that long ago, and there's a lot uh, of like he's public domain, so there's a lot yeah, of other. And, and We've had uh, that mini series recently as well, the British mini series with Clea Spang. Oh, I didn't see that, but yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I've not heard of any plans for a new Dracula. Uh, before I go, just let me say that uh, thank you to Mr. McCule for turning me on to the pitch meeting videos on YouTube done by Ryan George. Very funny stuff. I'm also a big fan of his first guy videos. Uh, and he lists some of his favorite first guy hmm. videos here nice. uh, to ever own a cat, to be an actor, to build a snowman, to climb a mountain and to hold up a lighter at a concert. Uh, this is Alan signing off. All right. So what, what seconds was he in? It was the sixties. It was uh, the seventies. He said sixties and seventies. Now he's uh, in seventies. Okay. King Kong doesn't count because the first King Kong movie was in the thirties. Well, I think it doesn't really necessarily matter if it was the first one, but they were making them then and they're still making them now, okay. I guess is um, what's relevant. So what like movie, let's uh, so let, for the sake of, Mm-hmm. Just discernment. Uh, and you also mentioned like Batman and Superman, but they also mm-hmm. started in the 30s in comic book form. Yeah. So that's t- technically an adaptation. Technically an let's, adaptation. Let's see if there are any that are not any adaptations that were yeah. invented for feature films uh-huh. that were invented um, a certain number of decades ago. Uh-huh. Uh, that and we're are still, still, still at least at least sometimes. That. Obviously, yeah. we can't we can't expect mm-hmm. them to release a movie all the time. I got one already. Hmm. Rocky. Rocky, they're still making Rocky. Somehow they're still making... Who would have thought? And (laughs) and you know what? The average level of quality of a Rocky movie is staggeringly high. Yeah. It may be be the most consistent American movie franchise. Like, it's really impressive. Uh, There's some stinkers in there. There's a couple, but mostly it's great. They're pretty good. I would say Uh, there's at least one, two, uh, three, four, five... I would say about at least six of the eight are three and a half stars or better. 
No, well, all right, fair. You know? uh, Leatherface. Uh, Leatherface, Michael Myers, uh, Michael Myers. Those, a lot of the alien xenomorph. I realize it's not the same character, but we keep going back to that costume at least. That, that, that honorable particular mention. kind of creature. Yeah. The honorable mention at least. Uh, Ripley, we haven't seen in a, in a hot minute, but you know they always threaten to bring her back. Um, let's see, we're let's going see. going back to fifties uh, and sixties. Uh, they just re- they just did a new Diabolic. Okay, Danger yeah. Diabolic was a it, it's a comic book adaptation, but the first one was in the '60s yeah, I mean, from Mario Bava, and they just did a reboot of that in Italy. I think it came out last year. I'm waiting for it to come out in America. Yeah, it looks pretty neat. Yeah, like Darth Vader or something. Okay, yeah, Star just, Wars. Just, just keep going back. I think yeah, do that I, Star Wars. Oh, I, I heard tell that Darth Vader is coming back again. Uh, there uh, again, a TV series about um, mm. uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Does it count if they started in television? Oh, I got there are rules. What do you think? I don't know. I think I think they should honestly mm. because then you've got Doctor Who. Okay. Doctor Who is good. Uh, Mission Impossible. Uh, those characters okay. continued, and then they just kind of grandfathered in new characters over time. Yeah, I guess there was so. always some turnover there. there so I, think, not, I think that counts. There hasn't been a Doctor. Who, I guess uh, some of the earlier episodes were adapted into feature films, but uh, there hasn't been like a, a big budget mainstream Doctor Who. Not since Peter Cushing feature. did it yeah. in like the sixties, which yeah, nobody yeah. talks about. But regardless, still going strong. Yeah. Um, let's see. Hmm. The, the thing is, uh, so many things are like super IP heavy that we're yeah. seeing a lot of adaptations. Like, you know, Rob Zombie's making a Munsters movie, but yeah, that it's not something that started in cinema. Let's, uh, yeah, let's not count things that started on TV. Uh, that's, okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Think uh, c- characters that were invented just for for feature films. Just for feature films. Uh, it's been a while since they've done it, but the Parent Trap. Lasted a while, and those aren't even sequels. It's like they just keep yeah. remaking the same movie yeah, over and over just, again with the parents. Like that kind of counts because clearly uh, they're they're mining the intellectual property for for new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. No, that was the eighties. Trying to think, yeah, like, is there Godzilla any other... definitely counts. King Kong definitely counts because those are uh, you know uh, movie characters. They were invented for cinema. Yeah, Modesty Blaze never really caught on. Like there were there were a couple, but yeah, yeah, Gamera technically. No Gamera. Gamera well. comes back every once in a while. Um, it's been a while, but uh, Herbie, Herbie the Love Her- Bug. Okay, Herbie the Love Bug came back oh, um, uh, in the two thousands. Trying to think um, of some other older ones, like Lassie started in in books, and also was in the in the fifties. For no forty, I think the forties was the first Lassie movie, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I, so I it's a little early. That. Uh, and yeah, you know, there are a lot of like classic literary characters, like you know, you'll mm-hmm. see Cinderella's and Alice's in Wonderlands, and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Um, yeah, James James Bond wa- actually wasn't invented for film; he was a series of books first. True, and his first adventure was at, technically in the fifties with the mm-hmm. TV movie. Same uh, with Asterix the Gaul. Um, yeah. Uh, ooh, ooh, uh, this came oh, from a book, uh, but mostly known for the movie Doctor Doolittle. Okay, we still have Doctor uh, Doolittle. What? Uh, we haven't had a Zatoichi film for a second. It's but, been a uh, minute. It's been. A, I don't think we've had one since Beat Takashi did it. Yeah, and that was sort of like a revival. It the, was great movie. Was, I love that movie, but like that's <laughs> that was a different. Uh, it was a different vibe. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Lone Wolf and yeah. Cub. Oh, duh, Bugs Bunny. They're still making Bugs Bunny movies. Yeah, but obviously Bugs Bunny got started long before the sixties and seventies. No, I'm just thinking things that were invented a long ago. Okay, if we're, if we're including, I thought yeah. I thought we weren't including those for right. in the sake of this conversation. But if we are, yeah, Bugs Bunny is still going strong. All the Looney Tunes are going strong. Um, Mickey Mouse, mm. Donald Duck is still being uh, uh, used yeah. in all those uh, uh, capacities. 
uh, Chip and Dale. <laughs> they, they, they have a new movie. movie coming out. I saw it already. We'll oh, talk really? About it next week. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I watch this. I watch that show so so goddamn much. Uh, the the, the premise of the new movie is a little. Oh, you, we, do you know you know the premise of the new movie? I right? do know yeah, the premise yeah. of the movie. Uh, we just had a re- a revival of Perry Mason. That's true. Perry Mason. But, but again, that's television. Is oh, shit. You're right. That is television. Mm-hmm. Um, damn. Movies, movies, yeah, kind of hard to. Yeah, we're, we're well. You know, we don't have that many long running franchises in the in the long run of things. Oh, I'm, I mean, there's no, there's lots. It's well, I mean, but like in, in in the grand scheme of the world, over the course of like that, mm. we're still going in the fifties, sixties, and seventies. There were only so many. Um. Hmm. Let's see, uh... that's. I'm leaving all of this in, by the way. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm not cutting you know this. What? You you can think along with us, and feel free to tweet us or send us your own thoughts. Here's the like the longest running, like uh-huh. from the when the character was conceived in film to the most recent adaptation. It's got to be like Dracula or mm. the Invisible Man, like one of those one of those early mo- well Frankenstein. One of the first yeah. earliest like horror movies was a Frankenstein. Yeah. 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 But in terms of like uh, yeah. original creation, yeah, orig- orig- but but again, those are literary characters. Yeah, Rin Tin Tin. Oh, you know what? Uh, of those monsters, the mummy never had a book. Like it's based on um, on actual Egyptian myth, and it, but, and was the first one was a massive ripoff of Dracula. But yes, agreed. but yeah, the the, yeah. the mummy, like the monster yeah. character from the movies, yeah, uh, is, uh, was an original Emotep. creation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was an original character for movies. That wasn't yeah, that's a good book. point actually. And we're still making movie mummy movies. Uh, money movies, m- m- mummy, mummy movies. <laughs> still making there's, there's, money. There's movies. a lot. There's a lot of them mummies about. Uh, I I know they did that Tom Cruise film. Uh, in, yeah, like that was a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, has there been a, a notable not, not a universal mummy. I mean, Moon Knight was kind of a mummy movie. Think about it. Uh, or was it oh, yeah. a TV series? But yeah, um, he, he he kind of wears a mummy outfit in the. the he does a little bit. I never really thought about it before until they put it in live action. I'm like, oh yeah. Um, but no, no, no. That that's a good one. I like that. That's a good. That's I think, an excellent I think point. The, the mummy is. It might be the longest mm. running film character. We've Shaft. Had. Shaft is Sh- a good one. Also too. from a book, though. Shit. Never mind. Um, <laughs> he was also from a book. I forgot about the book. Uh, so many of these things also, get started in books. Also, I don't want to think about that last Shaft movie. Oh, that last Shaft was <laughs> awful, <laughs> wasn't it? Oh, that that like hurt. Offensively bad. That hurt me. Mm. That was that was not fun. That last one. That was that was mm. rough. Um. Yeah. A lot of them, it's like they lasted for a while, but it's just has been a long time. Hmm. Uh, oh, oh, uh, we had one not only a couple years ago. Um, Death Wish, Paul Kersey. Oh, that's true. Paul yeah, Kersey kept going for a uh, bit. Yeah, the Death Wish movie started in the seventies. Uh, they made uh, five with uh, Charles Bronson, Charles Bronson, and then, and then they, they rebooted did... it with. Uh, uh, they had well, they had one with there was uh, Death Kevin Sentence Bacon. with Kevin yeah. Bacon. That's also yeah. a Paul Kersey movie. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then there was another one called Death Wish with Bruce Willis as yeah. Paul Kersey. Uh, also, not created for a movie, but mm-hmm. Zorro has lasted this whole time. Okay. Uh, so sure there's more but i think we can probably leave yeah, it there the, the, i think the mummy and king kong might might have the record now because i'm thinking uh, in terms of, like, of, in terms of stuff that started in movies yeah, yeah. um in terms of started in movies that's probably the big mm. stuff yeah that's a good point yeah, all right God, well, luca. godzilla didn't come around until the 50s luca you want to you want you have any thoughts are there any famous cats the rest of the whole time i mean that darn cat only had two movies also the cat from outer space 
Mm. Also, the wasn't it like the five lives of Thomasina? It wasn't nine. Three lives. Three lives. Three lives. We had six more to go. <laughs> Who are the other six? It's always bugged me. Anyway, moving on. Uh, anyway, thank you everybody for listening. That is We've Got Mail. If you want to email us your own question, concern, uh, talking point, uh, something you've always wondered, anything at all, uh, we're, open, we're open books. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Uh, Whitney, what is our P.O. box? If you prefer to write in a yeah, physical so letter, to the, uh, you can hear the paper crinkling the, on the microphone. The Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So thank you very much, everybody who wrote in. Sorry if we didn't get to your email. If anything is like super timely or anything like that, feel free to give us a nudge. Uh, we're on Twitter, at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. If you want to get more exclusive shows featuring myself and Whitney, uh, you can head on over to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Critically acclaimed network, as we mentioned in this episode, for one dollar a month, if that's all you can afford, or less, we get it. But like, if you can afford one dollar a month, you do get to vote for future episodes of our shows, and you get all of our main shows without any ads. So if that bothers you, you can get those without the ads. Uh, and then, of course, at other tiers, we have shows like Only the Best, where we review every single film ever nominated for Best Picture. We have only all our yesterdays. We review every single uh, Star Trek in order. We're almost done with season two of The Next Generation. We're about to hit Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. <laughs> One of the greatest movies ever made. We uh, we also have at our top tier uh, trivia nights that we're going to try to do twice a month. Yeah. Uh, we just had our first one. It was a blast. It uh, ended with a lightning round of Airbud trivia. <laughs> uh, boy, was that the great equalizer! I got. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I apologize. I personally wasn't there for that one. My. Yeah. Uh, Luca. Luca, Luca, Luca wants a lot of attention. Yeah, Luca wants to be pet. Uh, I I was seeing Paul McCartney in concert. Oh, but look, well, Paul McCartney's like practically eighty. He's, yeah, so he's, he's, so, he's so, you, so he's chill. You could have you could have said, hey, listen, would you mind starting an hour or two later? I have a thing, and Paul McCartney would be like, yeah, it's cool, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. How Paul McCartney sounds like yeah, I'm I'm, I'm British, <laughs> Liverpudlian. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's a, there was a big screen up prior to the show uh-huh. that said hey it said hey I'm Paul text me and there was a telephone number okay it's like and it's just like to get on his mailing list but okay. uh, so I te- I texted him I was like what would you, what do you text to Paul McCartney yeah what do you text like, Paul McCartney so I just said play Freebird <laughs> what if I were I him I wouldn't put you on the mailing list I'd look yeah. at that and be like what an asshole well and, and my wife and I were talking before the show and yeah. it's like you know you're Paul McCartney you've written like hey, some of the best known pop songs ever and you have like 40 hits 40 number one uh-huh. hits you can fall back on and many other great songs besides uh-huh. uh, over the course of you know he was in the Beatles and they were very good and he was in Wings and they were a uh-huh. band and uh, it's an old Greg Proops line uh, do, do you do you play covers do mm-hmm. you play the kinds of things no you don't need to when you're Paul McCartney mm-hmm. play your own shit People cover you. You don't um, need to play covers if you're Paul McCartney. Here's, so no, he's not going to play for you. Here's, here's what I text to Paul McCartney. You do know that Magneto actually never hung out with the Crimson Dynamo and the Titanium Man, right? I think he doesn't care. <laughs> I just want to have the conversation. I have everyone. I have a stupid question I want to answer. I, I want to ask of most famous people. It's not the same one. Right. It's tailor made for each one. I got to ask my one to Kermit once. We all know it. Hmm. I've mentioned it many times, but I loved it. Are you ever going to take Manhattan back from Jason Voorhees? And Kermit, <laughs> Kermit had a great response. He said he can have it. Anyway, that is it for We've Got Mail. Thank you everybody for who wrote in. Have a great week. Sincerely yours, Bibbs and Whitney. Mm-hmm.